We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcast Network, and I'm here to talk to you about my new favorite thing about football season, and that's prize picks. It's Daily Fantasy Sports, the largest independently owned Daily Fantasy Sports platform in North America. It's easy, exciting, and that's my two favorite things to have in daily fantasy football. It's There's quick withdrawals. It's easy gameplay. There's so many selections of players and stat types that make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And I know you're probably worried about like daily fantasy sports. Oh, there's pros and there's sharks and there's all these people that dedicate their lives to just winning a daily fantasy. Well, no, no, no. This is just you. You pick more than or less than on two to six players to create an entry and those two to six players, you pick more than or less than on their stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. It is so easy, and PrizePix offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. There's like Taco Tuesday, where every Tuesday, PrizePix discounts select player projections up to 25%. That gives you even more value. And my very favorite part of all of this, PrizePix offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So... Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. You can jump in and get Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, George Kittle. Slam the more than and root like heck for those guys to go more than those projections. It's, I'm telling you. It's the very best way to consume football. So prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me now, Chris Biederman, and it's Super Bowl week. It's goddamn party time. But before we dive into our week-long preview of the game, let's talk about the homies at Lamb Chops. SGLambChops.com is the website. Follow them on Instagram, at SGLambChops, the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. You already know what it is. It's comfortable. It's high quality. The shorts have zippered pockets. My dad... So do the pants. The pants also have zippered pockets. My dad calls them the best sweatpants he's ever worn. That is an official review. And uh, I got to say, I I tend to agree with him. It is my favorite thing when I reach into my closet and pull out some lamb chops, shorts, sweats, hoodie. Perfect for the perfect for the wintertime. Got that nice little heft to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can wear it outside in, in this Northern California February. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we, we love lamb chops. I'm wearing some right now. Obviously, every time we record, every time I'm hanging out around the house, going out nine times out of 10, you find me in lamb chops. Traveling, great, great for planes. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout outs to the homies at Lamb Chops. We love lamb chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. Promo code CANDLESTICK20. That'll get you 20% off your order today. We're also sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. It is our favorite brewery. It is your favorite brewery's favorite brewery. And you can get Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. You can get any of their other delicious beers. There is an oatmeal stout. There are seltzers. There are hard seltzers. There are pilsners. There are 
hazy IPAs, pale ales, keg slayer, just a one B for me. Candle Cron one A, keg slayer one B, bunch of delicious beer at Cooper's Brewing, and you can get yours at Cooper'sBrewing.com. You can order a case, you can mix and match, you can order a case of one uh, type of beer, not a case of one beer, but one type of beer. You can get twenty four of the same one. So what I mean, if you're 21 and over and in the state of California, they will drop it off at your front door, you sign for it, and then you have 24 beers right at the crib. And it is the single best way to acquire beer. Or you can go to the brewery where the vibes are immaculate. Um, they support local artists. They support local food trucks. The beer's good. The clientele is A1. Um, it's just uh, an all-around good time. So shout out to our friends at, at Cooperage. Maybe maybe a great place to, to watch the game on Sunday. Probably oh. going to be a lot of Niners fans there, I would guess. Yeah, I would imagine. They definitely so. had an NFC title game watch party, and it looked lit. So they got TVs. Pull up. pull up if you need somewhere to watch a game. All right, that's Cooperage. Visit them in Santa Rosa and visit their website today, cooperagebrewing.com, home of the Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA. It is your favorite brewery's favorite brewery. All right, let's talk about football stuff. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Here's I'm in a I'm in a weird space. Okay. I appreciate I am not a Swifty by any means. <laughs> and I enjoy the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey romance. I think it's adorable. I think it's great to see two people who are clearly in love supporting each other. And I honestly I don't even mind that they do so in public because they are two very public figures. One could argue Taylor Swift is the most public figure and it could be way more obnoxious than it is. But I'm already tired of Taylor Swift stuff for the week. <laughs> and it's not even her. It's the fact that Brock Purdy is doing a Q&A with Patrick Mahomes and Scott Hansen has to go, hey, you ready to disappoint Taylor Swift? Like, ugh. God, we're going to get a week of this. It's the, yeah, the, the media and as, as a media member, I can fully admit that it, we, we play a role in this stuff too. Definitely. Like it does get perpetuated because it is a business. We are after eyeballs. We are after clicks and subscriptions and everything else. And we know that there's some, some profit to be made off the Taylor Swift content and the media will perpetuate it. That's it's just a reality of the business and honestly it's not something that that we're all super proud of i think every outlet just about every outlet will post some things where we're like ah, is that really necessary but it's like nope it's it's just part of part of the internet world part of the social media world part of the you know we're all trying to go viral in some ways and uh and that's just part of it and the NFL is eating all this shit up. Like this is oh, what media sure. this is what media night is all about. Like there is no more perfect media night storyline than just asking everybody there about Taylor Swift. So it's going to happen and it did happen. It sure did. I'm hoping it doesn't come up again on this pod. But we're going to title this with like Taylor Swift and the what is it the tortured poets department we're definitely going to title this with all that for SEO purposes. Sure. Clicks, baby. All right. Anyways, <laughs> um, the <laughs> a little bit of news came down Monday morning that the 49ers were looking at changing their practice facility because the sod at UNLV. So UNLV's practice facility has turf. Obviously, the 49ers did not want to practice on that. So the NFL laid sod down on top of the turf. Not totally sure how that works. But the 49ers went out to test it. And they, they had like a, a group of team personnel that went out ahead of the team a couple days ago and they tested it and it was just a little too soft for their liking. It's not a player safety thing. It is just a, a team preference on how soft or hard the turf is. 
uh, excuse me, the sod. It was a little bit soft for their liking. So Jonathan Jones from CBS Sports reported Monday morning that the 49ers were looking at either moving the practices to the Raiders team facility where the Chiefs are practicing, which seemed like a logistical nightmare, or flying in new sod or bringing in new sod, which also sounded crazy. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said at media night uh, or media day on Monday that the team is just going to stick at UNLV. The sod is getting better and they are good to go. And the reason I bring this up is because the idea of (laughs) maybe uh, the idea of we'll get to that in a second. The idea of switching your practice facility the day of or the week of, of the Super Bowl after Kyle Shanahan was talking all last week about how hard this week already is with all the added distractions and the media responsibilities and the family in town and you're in Las Vegas. To me, the idea of suddenly being like, okay, hey, this whole routine that we had down for this very difficult week, we're just going to flip the table on it because the turf's a little soft for our liking. Let's scramble the Jets now. That just seemed crazy. So it makes sense that they're going to stay at UNLV. Yeah, and it sounded like the Kyle Shanahan said, according to the the beat reporters on, on the ground. I saw Mayoko and, and Barrows, and I think even even our guy Nick um, tweeted that Kyle Shanahan said the the grass is improving and it's probably going to be a non issue. I, I would guess, like knowing the Forty ers like I know them, they're not going to even if this is like if they're really pissed off about this, they're not going to be publicly pissed off about it. They'll acknowledge that it's not great, and then you know. It is what it is at this point. Also, I would point out there's a better chance that they had their hardest practices. And and when I say hardest, I mean their most physically exacting practices mm-hmm. last week where they're like running at full speed and like actually approximating football. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Kyle Shanahan said it multiple times, but during the season, most of the practices are, are glorified walkthroughs. Mm-hmm. So you probably can get away with the grass not being exactly perfect if you're not practicing with full on intensity. That being said, it's just a bad look for the NFL, right? Like the league is supposed to, you know, make sure that there are facilities that, um, you know, are are appropriate for an NFL team to prepare for the biggest game of of the season. Like that's mm-hmm. that that should be bare minimum, um, and. You know, I, I understand why the 49ers would want to practice on grass, but honestly, like, you know, if if they are just having these glorified walkthroughs, would it be the worst thing in the world to just do it on artificial turf? Like, if you can play a game on artificial Dude, turf, I, I mean, I, it's it's not a fun conversation to have, but just like they've gotten here so healthy. Yeah, that's true. I can't imagine wanting to to risk that even in a walkthrough. I, I I I get why they would want to bring in the the sod, and you're right. Chances are, given the intensity or the the lack of intensity in the practices, that they would have been fine. But I mean, that's just even a minor thing. This this close to the game could knock somebody out for the biggest game of the year. Yeah. So yeah. so I, it's it's it not ideal. Sense. It's not ideal. We'll see how much of a storyline it is. Yeah. When you got George um, Kittle dealing with a toe. And Eric Armstead's got knee and foot stuff, and I'm sure there's other injuries that, that players are nursing that we don't even know about. I don't know. The sod makes sense to me. It's tough. It's tough to just like put sod down and just for it to be okay. Like sod has yeah. to like set and hold. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, have you ever gotten new sod at, at like a house? They come in and they're like, don't even look at it for six days. Don't even don't even think about touching that sod (laughs) water it with 8,000 gallons of water per day for six months before touching it. All right, Right. then you got it. Yeah. Let alone, let alone like, let alone Trent Williams exacting like a pound, a a metric ton of force. (laughs) Just just ripping it all up by the time it's done. Yeah. Uh, although I'm not totally sure that Kyle Shanahan even knew what planet he was on at media night. So I guess the whole practice <laughs> thing could be TBD. Yeah. Kali, I hope I'm saying that right. Kali young in the YouTube chat that I wonder if Kyle was drinking Cooper's IPA tonight, dude, may, I mean, maybe, 
apparently he's a vodka Red Bull guy, but blueberry vodka. My Red man Bull. was feeling himself. This was the night to ask Kyle Shanahan anything. I think so. I, I saw some video of him and what I think was like early in his podium session. And he seemed fine. And then I saw him on NFL Network and Michael Robinson. And look, I'm not alleging anything, but uh, have you ever had been out at a bar or a restaurant or a function mm-hmm. and just like had a deep, meaningful conversation with somebody who's like one or two deep and like everything you say so, or everything that person says, just the conversation is just exceedingly profound. You're just like, oh yeah. man, you're spitting facts right now. Dude, that is that is me. That is That's on so point. Me. You are oh, so God. so right, man. You I'm just so embarrassed when I'm drunk. That's me. <laughs> I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan had one or two, maybe while he was at the podium during media night to maybe take the edge off. Sure. But if you watch the clip of him. And Michael Robinson of NFL Network talking about Brock 49ers Purdy legend. <laughs> yeah, talking about Brock Purdy as a game manager. He definitely has the vibe of somebody who's who's one or two deep and having that super profound conversation. We're like, dude, nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> and I would encourage everyone to go watch. I and I only say that because like as somebody who's been to hundreds of Kyle Shanahan press conferences. He did not look like it, it was not Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. before practice. Let me put it no. that way. No, he was. And, and frankly, like, I, I don't I don't blame him at all, um, honestly, because, I mean, he's he's an adult and he can do whatever he wants. But like having been to media night in Miami Dude. a couple years ago, it is it is such a shit show. Do you want it wanna... is a complete circus it's it's complete chaos it's it's great for tv because you could get like you get sound bites if you're like hosting a show you could say here's what kyle shanahan says about brock Purdy being a game manager and just cut right to it if you're a writer trying to come up with something interesting it's like it's tough it is a tough it, it is a tough place to because it's not a press conference there are not actual i would say like 10 20 percent of the people there are actual journalists and mm-hmm. it's just a lot of people with their cell phones out trying to get like viral clips yeah which is like to your point about you know travis kelsey and uh and, and you know taylor swift and all that stuff like it is it is just a complete complete clown show and like I'm the type of person I don't even really like shopping malls because like too many people I get like claustrophobic and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like the worst. If you're if you're claustrophobic at all, media night at Super Bowl is like the absolute worst. Do you want to know how serious media night is? Yeah, uh, a couple of people from the Ringer one year found Jake Elliott, the Eagles kicker, mm-hmm. and just let him follow them around while they did video, and people thought he was just part of their video team, and that was like their whole <laughs> bit for the night. It's very serious stuff happening and a lot of questions about a lot of like joke questions. A lot of like uh, Will Compton from the Bussin' with the Boys podcast, former NFL linebacker, is there just asking Travis Kelsey what it was like the first time he benched 315. It's just not a real thing. It's not an actual There were thing. porn stars asking players questions. Oh. Like porn stars with microphones, like famous ones. Apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was. (laughs) Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I heard. I mean, apparently that's what people were saying. I know. I read about it. Um, (laughs) Subscribe to The Athletic. (laughs) So, no, I mean, Media Night Night is wild. That was. Boy, did we. um, Yeah, we just talked about it. Rewind a little bit if you. uh, Yeah couple couple uh Kyle Shanahan was vibing yeah um but no I like I'm interested I am interested to see like I'm I'm of the mind that I think like the Vegas stuff is largely overblown like I think you know the team staying like I don't know 20 miles outside of Vegas or whatever I don't I don't foresee there being a story of like 
um, you know, someone partying too much and it impacting the way they play. I think, you know, these guys are adults. They're going to, there's going to be curfews. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot on the line for these teams. Uh, But I do think that craziness, like the media circus is like Vegas is going to fuel that stuff. There's going to be a lot of weird media content this week, just because it's Vegas. And I don't think it'll necessarily impact the players of the game at all. The first, the first bit of Super Bowl content I saw from reporters on the ground in Vegas was at the 49ers plane arrival last night, which by the way is weird. That's just, that's a strange thing by itself that we pull up to see the plane land and the players get off the plane. Um, seeing showgirls and Elvis impersonators there. Right. Just hanging out. It's like <laughs> turning Super Bowl into a cartoon. Six, 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 yeah. six, six. Cool, cool, cool. Um, speaking of media day, a Debo Samuel quote was just posted by a Bay Area radio station. And he got asked to his top five wide receivers in the NFL are. Do you want me to name them for you? Do you want to try uh, yeah. guess? I, no, I, uh, Debo Samuel. No, Brandon not Ayuk. on the list. Brandon Ayuk is on the list. Brandon Ayuk, Justin Jefferson. Nope. Jamar Chase? No. Um, Cooper Cup? No. Okay. The bit's gone on. Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, Willie Sneed, <laughs> Tay Martin, and Chris Conley. Quote, they're my dogs right now. All of them. Ronnie Bell erasure much? Wow. Danny Gray just, just taking Unbelievable. Strays. More like Danny Stray. <laughs> because <laughs> of because of that that's Debo's hilarious a team, Debo's lo- a team guy that's great you know what honestly he's lying but i i love that i love yeah. that just i will say those are my these are my top five i love that he threw tay martin in there <laughs> I, w- I will say i don't know if you notice this in the the walking off the plane content but it did seem like there was, and again, I don't know if, if reading into this matters at all, but it did seem like it was a very like business-like, like everyone's kind of calm, not really, you know, sometimes you see teams get off the plane and you see phones out and everyone's taking videos and like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm at the Super Bowl. That Niners kind of just like got off the plane and like, yeah, we, we got a game to win. I thought That's that was my- encouraging. That's my, I have some thoughts on like the X's and O's aspect of the game, but honestly, I'm going to save those for later in the week. We got time to kill. Um, But that's one of the things that I can't decide (laughs) because there's no empirical way. It's just a vibe. So I'm trying to figure out where my vibe lands on it. Mm -hmm. The Chiefs are going for their third in five years. Yeah. Which is unbelievable. A large portion of this group just won one last year. The 49ers, meanwhile, have either lost in the Super Bowl or in the NFC Championship game in three of the last five years, four of the last five years. So, three of the last five? Three of the last five. I don't know. Whatever it is. They've come close in three years recently. (laughs) They've been to four of the last five NFC Championship games, right? 19, 21, 22, 23. Yeah. So, they've been to four of the last five. And they've fallen short in all those years, except this one so far. Is I can't tell if there's a Chiefs like, yes, continued dominance, we're a machine. Or if there's a Niners like, hey, we're trying to get over the hump and the Chiefs have kind of already done it. And if that level of like desperation is going to kick in at all during the game. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, I like, you thought know when, about like, an that 0-2 too. team plays a 2-0 and team in the NFL. And yeah. the 0-2 team just washes them because they don't want to go to 0-3. No, I mean, it's like, take uh, take cross-sport cross example. Um, okay. I was in, I was in, I'm not to, anyway. I, the, the, Miami Heat away, bro. And the Miami Heat and Sacramento Kings played last week in Miami. Mm-hmm. The Heat were on a seven-game losing streak. And they came out and drastically outplayed the Kings, right? And it was in large part at like all the Kings players and coaches basically talked about the desperation that the heat had 
versus the Kings, who were sort of just mired in the, the their longest road trip of the season, right? Right. To your point, I think this game does mean a lot more to the 49ers for reasons that we've talked about, but also the point you're alluding to is like, are the can is it possible to have the same edge when you're trying to repeat as Super Bowl champions when you've won it the year before? Yeah. Versus a team that has been on the doorstep for as long as the Niners have and who happened to be playing the team that they lost to the last time they were in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs have had two Super Bowls since they last played the Niners in the Super Bowl. Crazy. Right? So, like, I I do think there is a human nature element to the game in that the Niners could have a much more emotional edge or much uh, a much more prominent emotional edge Mm-hmm. because the Chiefs have just been to so many Super Bowls, including last year's. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm don't. i sure the competitiveness gets there, and there's enough guys who weren't with the team last year, or maybe there was somebody who was with the team but didn't play or didn't play well or whatever it is. I, I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to come out flat and the Niners are going to shithouse them or anything crazy like that. But I, I do wonder when factoring in all these things – when I'm when I'm sitting here and I'm one of my big things this week is like the Niners' inability to tackle, and how that's been such a problem this year. But does that just change dramatically on Sunday? Because this is something that Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, and Nick Bosa, and Eric Armstead, and that group have been waiting for since 2019. Javon yeah. Hargrave fell short in a Super Bowl last year. Is that something that he so that's kind of what I'm what I'm really interested to see if that plays a, a role at all because part of me thinks it does, but then another part of me is like it's a damn Super Bowl. I, I don't think there there's a team walking in going like oh pff, just another game I guess. Yeah, you know? it did, it did feel like the Niners sort of like the way the defense played and there was a lot of talk about effort last week. The way the defense played made it seem like they there was something in their minds that like yeah we're just gonna roll these guys. We're just going to roll the Packers. We're just going to roll the Lions. Clearly, we're the better team. We're at mm-hmm. home. Um, it did feel like there was an element of of them not playing with that same edge that we've seen them play with before. One thing I think that's interesting about this Super Bowl is you have a case of, you know, small sample sizes versus big sample sizes. Mm-hmm. The big sample size with the Niners, particularly their defense, is that their defense has been dominant. Like, for even beyond this season for stretches this season, absolutely. It was dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously going back uh, over the last few years, the defense has had long stretches of dominance, but in these playoffs, the defense has been very mediocre, particularly against the run. Like it's been flat out bad against the run. Mm-hmm. So when I say it's like a, a case of like big sample sizes versus small sample sizes, What's going to prevail on Sunday? Is it going to be the small sample size of like, oh, all of a sudden the Niners can't defend the run? Like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Or is it going to revert and is it going to be like, no, this is this is kind of the same defense that we've seen for the better part of the last five, six years. Right. I tend to think, I mean, I have no idea. Honestly, it's a really tough question to answer because there are a few different variables, right? Like there's mm-hmm. Steve Wilkes. Like this isn't, it's not, it's not D'Amico Ryans. It's not Robert Sala. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his Steve Wilkes coaching style, just being a secondary guy, uh, is different than Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans, who are both like hardcore like linebacker position coaches, mm-hmm. right? At heart, like that mm-hmm. is that is their ethos. And I think there's just a different mentality that you have if that's your background versus being somebody who coaches safeties and, and cornerbacks, right? Um, so I just like that there's that factor to consider but part of me is like man like this isn't the lions or the packers like the, the like neither team like the 49ers didn't really have any reason to respect the niners and packers lions and packers at this, what's that lions and packers what i say lions niners and lions packers. And packers oh lions and packers <laughs> i meant lions and packers um, i know you did they had like the Chiefs are the defending champs. The Chiefs mm-hmm. are the team that had already beat them in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are the team that's been to three of the last five Super Bowls, right? The Chiefs shit so, them last year. Right, exactly. So, like, the Chiefs will absolutely 
earn the 49ers respect. And even outside of it being the Super Bowl, there should be like it would be alarming as hell if there were the same effort questions when it came to them trying to stop the run Sunday as there were in the previous two playoff games. Right. So part of me is like, nah, I think the Niners defense is going to be better. Like it just has to be right. But on the other hand, maybe, you know, maybe the last two games are the better indicator of who or what this defense is about. And it's deviated from that larger sample size than we've seen before. That's what, that's something to me, like, I think is, is going to be really interesting. Like if the Niners play like the dominant defense that they've been, Mm -hmm. then obviously that could go a long way towards determining the outcome of the game. If they can't, if the defense has been, or if the defense plays like it did against Detroit and green Bay, then I think the Niners are going to have a really hard time, obviously. Yeah. And that's, that's something I always struggle with, with looking ahead to NFL games. Why I'm bad at picking NFL games because I never lean into the opposite thing happening. I can remember, remember when the Niners played the chargers last year Yeah, and it was at Levi stadium and the chargers could not stop the run to save their lives. They were giving up like five yards of carry. It was insane. And you're looking and you're going, Oh, well the Niners, they have Christian McCaffrey now. And, um, they've been just kind of, uh, they're figuring it out and they're a good team. So uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to run for 250 yards against this team. And then they didn't. They really struggled to run the ball because the Chargers sold out to stop the run. And that's the other side of this coin is while I sit here and I go, man, Chiefs are a ton of short passing and a really, really good running back who's at like 4.7 yards a carry in his career and the Niners can't tackle, so I don't know how they're going to get any stops. Yeah. But, like, that's cl- that's that's v- probably not how it's going to go. <laughs> You'd think, anyway. I had this exact conversation with um, Kyle Juszczyk a uh, year or two years ago, and I threw this exact theory at him. I was like, you okay? I'm good. <laughs> the headphones flying off your head yeah i was trying i was i had an itch on my ear and i was going to get it and i just pulled my headphones off too far we're fine here we go is there, is there a ghost in the studio youtube.com slash at candlestick chronicles podcast <laughs> um no i asked kyle use check i was like for a defense like my my because my work i agree with you and i was like my working theory is that a defense that's bad at stopping the run is probably more likely to be able to stop the run or at least slow the run in any given day by just devoting more resources to it and being sure. more gap discipline, right? Like it's easier to do if, if, if being bad against the run is sort of like a defining trait of your defense, it's easier to correct that in a single game than it is to like all of a sudden be excellent against the pass. Right. Because if yeah, you're bad yeah. against the run, like throw 10 guys in the box, you know, it's like mm-hmm. be gap disciplined. Like that's, that's all like, like defending the run is a lot more fundamental than defending the pass when defending the pass is so scheme dependent. Mm-hmm. Obviously defending the run is also scheme dependent, but like defending the pass is like, you know, you just have to, you have to have the right call and you have to have guys executing. Defending the run is like just being an instinctual football player and doing the right things. Hmm. Right. Yeah. So I I do think that the Niners run defense, there's a there's a pretty reasonable chance it's a lot better. And I wonder too, is are there are there gonna be adjustments? Like is Eric Armstead gonna play defensive end? Hmm. Like because yeah. you know, you could you I don't know how good Javon Kinlaw is right now, but hypothetically you could at least in running situations right for a second mm-hmm. down you could have eric armstead setting the edge which he's much better at than what we've seen from chase young that's, particularly with cleveland Farrell out <laughs> that's my that's my whole thing with javon kinlaw playing defensive tackle it's like man i don't know how much worse he is a defensive tackle than chase young is at defensive end but it can't be that right. much worse at least not against the run yeah chase young was rough against detroit man yeah i i that is that's a that's a button I would push if I were if I were the Niners. Yeah. I would just 
you know, yeah, at least try it. Because Armstead, when Armstead was, I mean, he's been really good, but when he's at his peak, or when he was at his peak, he was a dominant run defender as a defensive end. That's why he played mm-hmm. defensive end for so long. And you remember in 2019, it was like D Ford would only play passing situations. Right. And Armstead would play outside and then kick inside. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where Armstead could kick inside full time because they had other guys that they felt good about. Um, you know, they had Charles Menahu, they had Samson Nebukam, who was a, mm-hmm. who was a really good edge setter. He wasn't like this big, f- he was physical, but he wasn't like this 270 pound. He was like right. more of an outside linebacker type. Right. Um, but he was really good at setting the edge. And so they didn't need Armstead to do that. So I do wonder now if, if that's an adjustment that Steve Wilkes makes, it's like, let's, let's put Armstead on the edge opposite Bosa and see if, see if the Niners can control the edges a little bit better than they did in the, in the last two games. Yeah. I'm interested to see what kind of wrinkles, because remember against the chiefs in the super bowl, the first time they went, uh, they, they went to uh, a handful, not, not a ton of snaps, but that third safety look with Tavarius Moore, Tavarius Moore. That's the name, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. to, to having Tavarius Moore, Jimmy Ward and Tavarius Ward, is really messing me up now. Uh, Tavarius Moore was on the field for like a handful of snaps, and Mahomes actually threw an interception to him. Yeah, just by by throwing a little bit different look. So I'm I'm kind of interested to see what the Niners do differently in this game than we saw during the regular season. I think Eric Armstead on the edge might be one, especially after the especially after the way Andy Reid killed them last year. With all those, if you remember that the game at Levi Stadium, it was so much Mecole Hardman and so much Isaiah Pacheco on the edge and so much Jarek McKinnon to the edge. They just Jet killed, the, yeah, they just killed the Niners in on on outside runs. And I'm kind of wondering if that's something that that the Niners are going to try and do uh, to slow that down a, at least a little bit to um, to <laughs> throw some of the Chiefs that is not on tape really in, in any of the last couple seasons. You got a lot going on in video tonight, bro. Man. It's, it's a struggle. <laughs> My cats decided they don't usually eat until between like eight 30 and nine. Mm-hmm. And they decided at seven 56 when I walked upstairs to get started here that they were like, Oh, we're eating. And once they decide they're eating their dicks. So <laughs> it's fine. Super Bowl week. Everyone's if you're listening to this, if you're listening to this, my cat just jumped up across the video uh, while we were talking. Uh, the other one is offensively. I believe that we might see maybe not a lot, but more than we saw during the regular season of Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell on the field together. That was just something I thought we'd see mm. way more of this year with McCaffrey ostensibly split out as a slot receiver, but they've done so much of that like motion where he just motions out into the flat or just lines up just over yonder. Like, like he's a receiver, but he's lined up like eight yards in the backfield. Um, they can, they can do that with him with Elijah Mitchell uh, against the chiefs defense. That is not very good against the run and they will load the box, but with a bunch of defensive backs, cause they run a ton of dime Yeah, and, Dude, I think you can really mess with Steve Spagnuolo in that defense if you're running two, maybe even three running back sets if you want to have Kyle Juszczyk like as a tight end. I just think there's a lot of little different levers that Shanahan can pull with what they do personnel-wise that they've not yet used in the regular season that uh, that could be effective. I wonder if that's something, if they could get creative like in a fourth and short scenario or two point conversion scenario. Cause you remember that super bowl against the chiefs a couple of years ago, the chiefs like went deep in the bag with like mm-hmm. all these weird creative play calls on like fourth downs and two point conversions. And I don't know, like I would be honestly like the Niners personnel groupings were all so good during the regular season. And they were like first in success rate by like a wide margin. Um, overall, but super successful in in just about like every every personnel package that I don't know that they would like do something drastic like that on like a second and six from the 42. Mm-hmm. But if it were, you know, fourth and one, 
then you have two running backs on the field and you do something weird with McCaffrey or Debo or whatever. Like that's, that's where I think the 49ers are going to have to get creative because I, if it's just, if it's just line Christian McCaffrey up and, you know, just run him a handoff on fourth and one as good as he is, Mm -hmm. I just think you're asking for the chiefs to stop it. And you have to, you have to do something that makes anybody on defense hesitate for a quarter second yep. because that could be the difference between getting a first down and not. So I'm with you. And like, I always go back to like that preseason game a few years ago where like Jalen Hurd was actually playing football mm-hmm. and it was like, they sent Jalen Hurd one way and they did a fake to him. And then it was like a run to Elijah Mitchell the other way. And then he like walked into the end zone because the defense like freaked out and had no idea how to defend it. Right. But like that's that's kind of what I think. If you're gonna play Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey at the same time, I think it's it needs to be in like a short yardage scenario. I think that would make sense. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, because as good as Shanahan is, he is kind of stubborn, mm-hmm. right? Like you see some creative stuff, but you usually see the creative stuff out of the personnel groupings that we always see. Like he's he doesn't yeah. he's not one to like. Oh, let me let me throw. I mean, I guess Chris Connolly was catching passes and in, in a big moment in the Packers game, but I guess he that sure was more was. out of necessity than than just being like, oh, I'm going to throw him in there <laughs> voluntarily. Chris Connolly, one of the five best receivers in the league, per Debo Samuel. Uh, find the lie. I mean, uh, dude, he plays. I don't. So right. definitely watches more film than us. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> Grind a lot of tape, bro. Yo, it's your homies Kyle and Chris for Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. They are the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. And follow them on Instagram at SGLambchops because they have some really cool looking stuff that your bland ass boy over here is not very good at styling on his own. And so I pop over to the Instagram. I see how other people are are dressing themselves in uh, maybe it's the... Maybe it's the wolf shorts or the lion shorts, or maybe it's a pair of joggers, or maybe it's the ash gray hoodie that you and I love so much. And I I base my outfits off of that, and it always makes me look dope, which is the single most important thing. And it's also comfortable. It's also high quality. It's super stylish. They're conversation starters, honestly. They also have kids uh, kid sizes on here too. Yes, that and everything's unisex. Uh, we, we should point out also. So, um, no matter if you're a man or woman, these clothes will look great on you or a child or a child. They have children's sizes and a lot of their (laughs) stuff as well. Use promo code candlestick 20 today to get 20% off your order, or you can do it tomorrow or whenever candlestick 20 is a promo code any day of the week to get 20% off your order from sglambchops.com. Uh, shout out to them. We really appreciate their support and, uh, we would appreciate it if you support them by going to sglambchops.com and ordering some dope, comfortable, high-quality clothing. Join the herd today. Can I try... Can we show drunk Kyle Shanahan? Uh, check that. Possibly drunk Kyle Shanahan. Sure, you got the video? I sure do. Great. I'm better at this now. Got there some practice? Go. Yeah, I think so. Oh, no. It's not working. No, it's, it's going. Well, it's, it's, it's funny to hear Jed say that. Oh, God. I'm messing it up. There we go. Well, it's, it's, it's funny to hear Jed say that because it wasn't the smartest moment I've ever had. I mean, when an owner comes in after training camp <laughs> practices and it's like, hey, how's the quarterback? And he, what he means is the starter or the second. And you and irritation go, I don't know, but our third guy's the best. Like, that's not what he wants to hear. So that's why he remembers it very strong. But that was just more Brock was so good right away with every rep he got. He was always the same. And he only got a couple of them. So it was easy for me to say because in his few reps, he was the best. But if you know that for a fact, I mean, then you do what you do right away. But he was the best. and But you ease that on. And every time he got a little more reps, it was the same as when he only got two. And so when it was all said and done and he got a lot of playing time, I was like, oh, this looks exactly like what I told you 
when I was irritated, and he only had three refs, and I said, no, he's the best, but that's what was so real about Brock. That's why after his seven games, his rookie year, even when he got hurt, we knew what we had because he'd been that way in practice every day, and it was the exact same way in the games. Yeah, Kyle. <laughs> Having a great time in Vegas. It's like you're in your early 30s. And that's what it and- is about Brock. <laughs> oh my God. you're in you're in your early 30s you've had a few and you're talking with your friends who you haven't seen since you're like 26 you're like man like your 30s you're just so much more of an adult yeah. <laughs> and like can you I'm, believe I'm like, that we used to go out until <laughs> three in the morning i just can't like, do dude. that shit anymore bro <laughs> I gotta go to work tomorrow, man. I'm I'm like way more disciplined than I used to be. <laughs> this is you realize what's important in life. <laughs> this is my favorite. This is my favorite part. And then he got more reps, and it looked the same as when he got two reps. <laughs> Good work, Kyle. Crushing it. There was oh, one I time that's, there that's was one amazing. time I was under the influence at uh my wife's friend's house and wife's friend's mother-in-law was there and i'm talking to i'm talking to mother-in-law and i'm like i'm killing this i am Mm -hmm. she can't even tell i am dominating this conversation (laughs) they were videotaping me the entire time and dude i'm talking i'm like and the thing about getting older is that like (laughs) you're not even really like you're always getting older but you don't I don't say I'm getting older until I'm like, okay. And then I start explaining the calendar to her <laughs> and where my birthday falls on it. It was tough. And that's what that Kyle Shannon clip reminded me of. <laughs> yeah. That's, Man's up that's exactly what it was. I, I think, look, man, it's really tough to sit up there for a half hour, 40 minutes, however long it is. And just be asked like the same questions over and over again. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I I get why again allegedly I get why he might want to throw one of those blueberry blueberry Red Bull contraptions into uh, into one of his cups while he's sitting up there at the podium. Totally, um, totally. Don't blame one bit. I thought when I first when I first saw it, you you sent a video and you were like, "Hey, Kyle Shanahan's feeling good." I thought maybe it was one of those things where he could hear his echo, like yeah. he was talking. And so if you've ever talked into a microphone where there's like a delay and you can hear yourself you're trying to like talk and make sure that you're not and you sound drunk when you're doing it and i thought maybe that was it but but no i think my guy was on one or maybe not maybe he's just excited though i i thought it was a good answer he sounded very similar but he gave a really good answer when talking about brock purdy as a game manager and he's like he, he was like look like Game manager, system quarterback, everything we practice during the week is about operating the system. Right. And every good quarterback who's ever existed has been a good system quarterback. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. And obviously, part of playing a court, playing quarterback is managing the game. Like every, you know, right. you have to make good decisions. You have to get your team in and out of the huddle. Right. You have to know when to throw the ball away. You have to, you know, l- like lead a, a, a two minute drill and spike it at the mm-hmm. right time. And all, like that is all game management stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what he said, which was interesting is like, there are three things a quarterback has to do. They have to know the system. They have to manage the game and then they have to make plays because like... there are, <laughs> but, but he was doing it with that same, that same it's cadence. All he just the had. system, man. <laughs> it's all the system from the offensive linemen to the five eligibles everybody's got to be knowing the system it's all the system everything we do is the system it's like oh no oh it was enjoyable man it was great that was that was great stuff from kyle like i said tonight was the night to ask kyle shanahan anything you've been wanting to know yes and he he is yeah he is definitely more forthright when he's got a uh when he's a little lubricated yeah yeah so um, but yeah, like going back to the my game, they're so pissed. Yeah. Sorry. I do think the 49ers have an advantage um, when it comes to their ability to run the ball. 
and the Chiefs have not been particularly good at running the ball. And if if the Niners do win the game, I think there's a very strong chance like we get a Christian McCaffrey, like 140 yard, 140 all purpose yards, like two or three touchdowns. And because I, I think like in terms of guys that the Chiefs might have a hard time accounting for, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be McCaffrey because, you know, going back to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and even the next year, the NFC Championship game against the Rams, or no, two, year, two years later, the Niners mm-hmm. didn't really have like a go-to chain mover, right? And you remember even in the in the Lions game and, and the Packers game, like Christian McCaffrey's getting a lot of touches on these drives right. because of how much they trust him and because of the matchup issue he presents to, you can, you can scheme up the right play but McCaffrey's still going to beat your linebacker. He's still going to beat your safety or whatever. Right, right. He when gets, the Niners, he, he turned so many no gains or one yard gains into four, five, six yards against Detroit. And when those play, when the Niners are trying to play with the lead in the fourth quarter of those games, they just didn't really have that dude that like, you know, we could we can dial up something for this guy and it's guaranteed five or six yards. Yep. It it was like. It was like you you were relying heavily on Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play, mm-hmm. right? And I think I think McCaffrey. I mean, Brock Purdy's a much better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like that's that's a clear difference in this game versus 2019. Yep. But McCaffrey, being what being what he is for this 49ers offense, is is like a, a complete game changer. And as as good as the Chiefs' op- defense is. I think the version of this game where the 49ers win, it's where Christian McCaffrey's balling out. And I think there's a real possibility that that happens. Yeah, the Ravens only ran it like 15 times or something in the AFC title game. And they were doing it with Steve Spagnolo running out a bunch of dime and they just refused to run into it. And the one time they ran into a loaded box, they got like 15 yards on it. And that's something that when you go back and you look at what Shanahan could have done differently in that 2019 Super Bowl is probably not pull the plug so early on Raheem Mostert. And so I'm wondering if that's something that, well, a McCaffrey is as good as Mostert is and has been. uh, He, he was not the same as Christian McCaffrey just from a, a pure running back standpoint. And so I'm wondering if that's something Shanahan will learn where if the 49ers find themselves in the same situation, if they're up 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and McCaffrey gets a first down run that only gets a yard. Do they go back to it on second down? Because they know that five or six yards could very much be there that gets him into the third and short. Raheem Mostert was really, really good at like two or three things. Yes. And this is not to take anything away from him. Like he was, you could run outside zone all game with Raheem Mostert. The defense can know it's coming. And he was so fast. And the Niners were so good at blocking that it would just be a 60-yard touchdown and you couldn't really do anything about it. Yep. Christian McCaffrey can do anything on yes. the football field. Yes. He could run any route. He could take any running play. He could take a screen. He he can he can throw a hellacious block and pass pro. Like mm-hmm. he is he's a complete football player. He's a Hall of Famer compared to a good player. Yeah, Raheem, that's a, and Raheem Mostert is good. Yeah, but McCaffrey's on a different level, Completely. and I think Mostert would probably tell you that. Yeah, and again, that's not to take anything away from Raheem Mostert, who scored like seventy-five touchdowns this year. Yeah, he, I think he tied <laughs> McCaffrey for the most touchdowns in the league. Yeah, yeah but I, awesome. I just think when when you know thinking about how this game plays out, a heavy Christian McCaffrey game is is probably a good thing for the Niners. I I could not agree more and it, it's one of those things where and again we'll, we'll dive into this further during the week but i don't really want to hear kyle shanahan in post game being like well on this drive late in the game we try to run and lost a yard so second 11 you had to pass like no nah, just run it again the Chiefs, the Chiefs have not been good at running the football. And when you go, when you, Traverius Ward said it on Eric Armstead's podcast. Like we were praying that they would stop running. Yeah. And then they did. So the Chiefs are going to throw looks that the Niners are going to want to throw against. That's why when Terrell Suggs was on the field, 
that's why Shanahan kept throwing it because Terrell Suggs was in as a run stopper and they were getting a matched up on George Kittle and that's all great, but that's not your team's bread and butter. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested to see as this game plays out a, what the game script looks like, but then B uh, if, if it does go like 2019, what the differences are for, for Shanahan from a play calling perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, but- the, the chiefs defense, like, it's there there are things that favor the Niners. Like the Chiefs, like you said earlier, they like to be in nickel and dime. Like they mm-hmm. like to have a lot of defensive backs on the field. And can the 49ers force them to be uncomfortable and dictate the terms of the game by you know, I mean, they're probably going to, right? Like they're mm-hmm. probably going to play Kyle Uzcheck and George Kittle and you know, 21 and 12 personnel and you know, 22 and just run it down the Chiefs' throats um, and force them to play base down so you're you're hurting them with the run and then forcing them to play in a way that they don't want to, where they'd rather, you know, I think the Chiefs would rather play a team that just lives in 11 so they can have mm-hmm. all their all their talented defensive backs on the field. Um, but, you know, like I think, and this is, this is like football guy, Hardo talk, but I, I yes. think it really matters for this game. That's what this podcast is for. When it comes to the Niners defense versus the Chiefs or the Niners offense versus the Chiefs defense, to me, it's going to be about who's dictating terms. Like who's reacting to the other one as opposed to who's forcing the other one to react. Mm -hmm. If the Niners are forcing the Chiefs to react, like if the Niners are running the ball down the Chiefs' throats and the Chiefs who want to have a bunch of DBs on the field and play the pass if they just are getting pushed around because the 49ers are in big personnel packages and just getting yard, like tons of yards with Christian McCaffrey on the ground, Mm -hmm. that's going to portend to them being successful. Mm -hmm. Like, but if the chiefs can somehow stop the run and then force the 49ers into passing situations and force the 49ers to do the thing, you know, because Kyle Shanahan's prone to do this too a defense will stack the box with nine, 10 guys. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle Shanahan will pass on every down mm-hmm. because he's big into, you know, taking what the defense gives you. Right. Not that, not that I'm arguing against that necessarily, because I'm not going to pretend I know better than Kyle Shanahan, but there are times mm-hmm. where it's like Brock Purdy, shotgun pass, Brock Purdy, shotgun pass, empty set, empty set, empty set, mm-hmm. empty set. And it's like, man, you are a physical team that's built on play action and the running game and all that yep. stuff. And you're deviating from that. I don't like the 49ers chances if they have to deviate from who they are. If they yeah. can run the ball a lot against that Chiefs defense, then I think that's how they win the game. Yeah, and that's where I think the whole Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, two-back look comes in. True. Because now you're effectively forcing the Chiefs to go with big personnel to try and stop the run, and you can do a million different things out of that. So that's why that keeps coming up. I'm going to go now because my cats are pissing me off. <laughs> all good we will dive into uh dive into more preview stuff we'll have two more pods this week yeah i think so I think at least at least two maybe a couple uh couple videos for the youtube channel again shout out to everyone following on youtube subscribing on youtube subscribing is super important we appreciate everyone supporting the channel that way um, also hit that thumbs up button yeah and if you're listening on um on one of our podcast platforms, we very much appreciate you. But also, make your way over to YouTube and and throw us a uh, uh, hit the subscribe button, like button, notification button. And you know the the thing with the videos is they come out early, right? Like the videos are up as soon as we record them. The podcast usually up the following morning. So if you want this content as soon as you can get it, it's going to be on YouTube. Generally. No doubt. So awesome. we appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody in the chat. Uh, that's great having you guys in there. We uh, we appreciate it greatly. Um, and we'll talk to you next. Plenty more Super Bowl content coming. Goodbye, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.